0: Hi friends, welcome to Equipped to Be. I'm so glad you're with us. I have an amazing guest in the studio today. You're absolutely going to love my guest because we're talking about playtime with your kids. We're talking about how to make motherhood and raising children fun again by simply adding play back into our lives. I have known Jenny Yurich for years. She is the founder and creator of 1000 Hours Outside. She is a homeschool mama 5, which you know is near and dear to my heart. She is just like you and I. She's very honest about the journey. She doesn't put on a pretext that she has it all together. Isn't that refreshing? We're not only going to talk about her newest book, which I have to tell you you must simply get and read and get your highlighters Get your post-it notes, whatever you do, to take notes so you can be encouraged, equipped, and just chill out in the parenting journey by enjoying some playtime. So Jenny's book is Until the Streetlights Come On, How a Return to Play Brightens Our Present and Prepares Our Kids for an Uncertain Future. I don't know about you, friends. Just the title alone makes me go, yes. So with that, I want you to welcome my friend, Jenny Urich, to the program. Jenny, thanks for making time in your super busy schedule to come on Equipped to Be.
1: Oh, I am so thrilled to be here. It has been such a treat to have gotten to know you over these past several years. It's always I think a little bit more fun to do podcasts with people that you have actually met and spent time with.
0: Well, yeah, because you have a little, you know, you've got some little inside stories, some funny things that have happened, shared moments and memories. And and I absolutely love that. But, you know, I was listening as I was preparing for the podcast with you. And even though I know you, I've watched your children. You are so multi-talented. I, I was, we were at a conference this year And here you were up there playing the piano, and your kids were singing, and one of your daughters was playing the guitar. And it was just fun to watch your family in action, giggle, enjoy each other, enjoy being with you and and your husband, Josh, and making memories together outside of a classroom. And so it has been fun. But you are quite an accomplished pianist.
1: I do love that. I've played piano since I was four. So it's an interesting juxtaposition that, you know, music tends to be an indoor thing, but the relation between playing an instrument and being outside is that both things do a lot for the neural wiring in your brain. And so it's a really fun thing. We love music in our house and our daughter, she does play the guitar and then the other one sings with her. And that's fun because you can take it wherever you go. We travel a lot like you do for different conferences and things. And so the guitar always comes along. Yes. All right. So
0: tell my listeners for those that aren't familiar with you, you have a massive movement of a thousand hours outside. It it was started simple and has really grown. Tell us a little bit about that journey.
1: So, you know, I really struggled when I first became a mom and I wasn't expecting to struggle as hard as I did. I think because a lot of life you do what you're already good at naturally. And then when you become a parent, you have no control over the temperament of your child and how your days are going to look. And so I thought, well, I've done all these other things and I've accomplished these different things in my life. And I thought, well, I'll just I'll be able to figure this out, too. And I had a lot of plans for how we were going to spend our days as this new venture. I, would use, I worked. I worked actually up until a Friday and then went in the hospital on a Monday Monday. To have our first baby because I was failing to progress and I had preeclampsia, and you know, it's a whole thing, it like unraveled before it even began. <laughs> it's like that's kind of how it happened. Like, I you know, was like, telling you before and, you were
0: starting, guess <laughs> what, huh? This
1: isn't going to be as you thought it was. <laughs> exactly, it started even before you know we'd met our first little one. So, I struggled, and I struggled because I felt like I was failing constantly, I struggled because I was absolutely exhausted. I struggled because I couldn't figure it out. There was no solution. I think in life so often there's a solution. You try these different things and it works. And with parenting young children, often there's not a solution. It's just hard. And you are scrambling to make it through. And so that was how I spent our early years of parenting was in the spot where I was pretty miserable. And I was also sad that I was miserable because... I love kids and I wanted to love that stage of my life and I just didn't because I was so overwhelmed and it never ended. There was never a reprieve. These babies are clingy. They won't go to anyone else. They won't have a bottle. They just want to nurse all the time. They're crying. And we had three and three years. But even just with the first one, I always say it wasn't the fact that there was three and three years. It was right from the very beginning, from before the beginning where I was so thrown off kilter. And so I didn't really know how to spend our days. I was a stay-at-home mom, and my husband had a normal eight-hour shift, but he had a commute. It was probably about an hour. And so I had these 10 hours. Of
0: <laughs> I, I love the way you <laughs> emphasize. I had 10 hours.
1: <laughs> well, that's a long time. Isn't it Five, Yeah, yeah. Hours? And my, my husband did the hours? same thing.
0: It's like, man, you were standing. I, I wasn't just standing at the door. I was standing in the driveway.
1: Yeah. <laughs> because it's so long. And I would go to different programs is what I did because I didn't know how to pass the time. The kids didn't really nap much. So I didn't know how to pass the time and I would sign up for different things. And that's what everyone else seemed to be doing. And they would sign up for these different programs that were available, like through the Parks and Recs Department, the library. And it was so much effort physically, mentally, emotionally to get small children out the door you have to remember all these different things and they're all crying and they all have to be dressed and then they spit up. And then this one has a diaper blowout and you're just, and it's all unseen and you're just in your home drowning, basically trying to get to these different programs. And then I would remember that we would get to the program and that wasn't a reprieve either because you're trying to juggle your kids to listen to the story that the librarian is teaching, or you're trying to get one kid into the pool, but the other kids want to go in the pool and the kid that's supposed to go in the pool doesn't want to go in the pool and everyone's in a slippery bathing suit and you're just, you're just going you to survive. Is absolutely.
0: Every listener right now can just go, she's describing my
1: life. Yeah. And, and in a lot of ways, it's it's pretty, it's kind of awful, even though it's good. And the biggest thing is that it would be often 11 a.m. and I would be completely toast. Mm. Like, I am done. I am done with this day. I have nothing left. I am emptied out. And I was do <laughs> have eight hours <laughs> until travel. And that's a whole full day still. You know, and the day had started at 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. and you hadn't slept. So I just really struggled. And my whole life changed in one day. I was going and to say, I think, you
0: told me about that. Please share that with our listeners. With that day, that moment, what
1: happened? And I think it's interesting. I do think sometimes our lives can change on a dime with the right information. What happened was I had a friend at Mops. Mops was another program that we did, which I do really like Mops. It's a great place to make friends. And it would meet twice a month, usually at a local church. And often they would have childcare. I always tell people, my kids wouldn't stay in the childcare. They were so clingy. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was like bouncing, crying kids on my lap. But I did make some good friends there. And one of my friends came to Mops Sunday, And now we are a homeschooling family. And this friend was going to homeschool too. But her oldest son was one year older than our oldest son. So she had started to do some research. So I was getting this like trickle down effect, which was fantastic. And she came to Mops Sunday and she said, Charlotte Mason says kids should be outside for four to six hours whenever the weather is tolerable. And Connie, I didn't know who Charlotte Mason was. I'd never heard of anything like this. I didn't know at all that Charlotte Mason, I learned, I think years later, that Charlotte Mason is actually from the 1800s. (laughs) I think if I had had that piece of information, I would have been like in one ear, not the other, but I didn't know. And so she said that, and I just thought, well, that's ridiculous. And that's what I thought in my mind four to six hours. Nobody does that, nobody has that much time. And more so, what in the world would the kids do? Because I was looking at these small activities that we did that lasted 45 minutes, and it was absolute chaos trying to get the kids to do whatever that 45-minute program was. And I would think about the different crafts that we did at home, and everything would last 12 minutes or 10 minutes. And so it was just kind of a total mess. And I didn't want to do it because I thought it sounded like an awful idea. But then she asked me if I would do that with her, go outside for four to six hours. And I thought, well, goodness, no, what an awful idea. No, you know, but I did it because I ended up saying yes, because you're trying to make friends. This is like another big part, I think, of early childhood where you can't finish a conversation and you're so underwater. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up saying yes, because I thought, well, she asked me to do something. I'm going to try and do it. And this was the life change. This is where the life change happened because we went to this park in Michigan in the fall. It was beautiful. September is really nice in Michigan. We went to this park. The plan was to go from nine in the morning till one in the afternoon. I mean, this just seems like the most simple thing, but it truly changed my life. And I am thinking, Connie, that this day is going to crash and burn, that the kids are going to be fussing the whole time. It's going to be so awful. It's going to be like the swim lessons, eight times longer of awfulness. But I went and we didn't bring anything. That was part of the whole gig is that you don't bring toys with you mm-hmm. and you don't bring books and you don't bring crafts. I'm thinking, what in the world are the kids going to do they, for four <laughs> hours? We're not bringing we anything. They're not playing with them. their
0: VTech games.
1: Right. <laughs> right. So don't bring anything. We brought food and water and a blanket. Uh-huh. And so here I am ready for this day to be the worst day of my life. But I tell people it was the best day of my life because Mm -hmm. after three years, and I had a three-year-old at the time Mm -hmm. and a one-year-old and a baby, after three years, it was the first good day I had as a mom. Wow. And I'd not had one. I'd not had a good day up until that point. And so what happened was for four hours, I sat on a blanket with my baby. My friend had a baby and the babies would nurse and sit and I don't know, interact with each other, interact with the grass, look around. Trees are definitely like nature's mobile. There's a lot going on outside. And the older kids, my friend had two older kids that were preschool-ish age, and so did I. They just played. Connie, they played. I didn't even know. I, how, what a silly thing. I had no idea that the kids could run around for four hours, and they would come back and get food when they wanted. This was a, a grassy spot that was away from a parking lot. There was a very shallow creek bed that ran through. And that was it. No play structure, which I almost think is better because you're not worried about your one-year-old falling off or getting pushed off. And for four hours, I had a chance to catch my breath. Mm. And I had a chance to find reprieve and for my blood pressure to drop and to have a conversation, a meaningful conversation with another person. And so my life changed that day. At nine, nine in the morning till one in the afternoon at the park, we packed up to go home. The kids fell asleep which Fresh Air does that. And that was a miracle. My kid never fell asleep at the same time. And all of a sudden it's three, four o'clock. And now I'm super close to my husband being home. And it was the moment where I realized, oh, maybe I don't just have to survive this. Maybe we can really enjoy it. And it was a life-changing day for me, literally. And we did. We changed the way that we were doing early childhood from that day on, dropped a lot of those short programs, looked for a couple days every week that had the best weather. Met up with about five or six families that would come some, you know, everyone would come sometime. So there was always at least one other family there and that really helped. And there's other kids and multi-age and all of that. Mm-hmm. And for years, for two years, we lived that way where we were getting together. It was about 18 to 20 hours a week of this outside time. Mm-hmm. More in the summer, less in the winter. We live in Michigan. So I was going to say not too much.
0: I mean, I'm in Florida, so you know we're flip flop weather always, except for yeah, five days off. a year. And I think you have flip flop weather five days a year. <laughs> and I know that's an exaggeration, but I just think of and you can still go. what do you do
1: outside except freeze? Well, so you sled. I mean, it's actually <laughs> really fun. The winter is really fun. Yes, but I, you, we would go to places that had an indoor option. Yes, so you could go inside the nature center to warm up, or you could go inside the butterfly house at the zoo to warm up. That type of thing. But for two years, we spent all this time outside. And in that time, we just live in Metro Detroit area in Michigan. There's a lot of people here. We would go to the local parks. We never ran into another kid. Not one time. It was so bizarre. And the kids just were not outside. And I read a book by Dr. Scott Sampson called How to Raise a Wild Child, where he said the average kid is outside for four to seven minutes a day, but on screens for four to seven hours a day. So in 2013, I started to write about our experience because it had been so transformative for me. But then also, when you take your kids outside, and this is what I didn't know, it actually really benefits your kids. And the benefits tend to be lifelong. So we're talking about their cognition, their physical bodies, down to their skeletal system and their eyesight. There's so much going on there, their emotional state, their social skills. And for families that are interested, they can find God's Creation is displaying spiritual laws, so it can help them spiritually too. And all of this is happening just by stepping out the door while you're making memories and while you get a chance as a parent to catch your breath. So... That's where it started. So, you
0: know, it's funny. I I recently went and I was recovering from something. And one of the practices that I was supposed to do was uh, wake up in the morning, you know, do some stretches and stuff and then go outside. This is what they're teaching you to go outside with your shoes off. So your feet touch the ground and it's, and you can just kind of feel the dirt in your toe or the sand or whatever it is, the grass crunching under your feet. And get some vitamin D because the benefits of vitamin D. And here, it's almost like it's revolutionary now when you're saying, when you were saying like Sonia Schaefer was talking about this, you know, a hundred years ago. Why have we drifted so far, Jenny, from going outside, enjoying nature? And like you said, I mean, you can see God in everything. I love what you said. I thought it was perfect. Trees are nature's mobiles. I mean, right? Mm-hmm. You can lay your baby down and that tree just constantly, something's always moving to capture their attention. Why did we move yeah. so far away from being outside and playing and and just experiencing life in a different natural format?
1: Well, it's an interesting question. I think that in generations past, no one focused on it too much because it was the default. It was what you had to do because there was nothing else to do. So obviously people... Whether they lived through it or they've heard of other people talk about it. If you look at childhoods that were in the 90s and before, there just wasn't as much screens and there weren't as many extracurriculars. And if you look at parents maybe in the 60s and the 50s, often a lot of families only had one car and the dad would take the car to work and the family didn't have a car to, to, to go to all this running around after school to go to piano and gymnastics. And it just wasn't as much of an option. And so what kids did is they played in the neighborhood with other kids Mm -hmm. and no one paid attention. No one paid attention to it. No one was like, oh, this is a really valuable thing. It was the default. It was all that you could do. Yeah. Yeah. Because society was set up in this way that it honored childhood. I don't think on purpose, but because that's just how it was set up. And so there was big changes that all happened at the same time. It was a combination of this increase in screen usage and this no child left behind Head Start Mm. things that happen in our educational system that give this idea that childhood is a race, that Mm. your kid might be behind. I mean, the verbiage there is so strong and your child might get left behind. So there's that piece of it. There are the media pieces where there are some kids that have gotten kidnapped. It's very small. The numbers are extremely unlikely. And yet, There was massive media coverage because media changed. And then we have this college piece where colleges seem like they've gotten more prestigious when they really haven't. They just are having more people apply and they're sending out more marketing materials. And so they're saying, we're so exclusive. And yet nothing has changed. It's just that more people have applied. So they've denied more people and they have purposely tried to get more people to apply. So you take this confluence of things and all of a sudden... There was never any foundation, I don't think, that people deeply understood that play is so valuable. It wasn't anything anybody talked about. So when we started keeping track of our time outside, and we did it for years, Connie, like five, four, five years, and everyone said, well, that's really a weird idea. Why would you do that? No one's ever done that before. No one's ever paid to the attention to the amount of time that they spend outside. It's because that's just how society was set up. And nobody, I don't think, really had a good grasp of what the benefits were. And it's only now when we've lost it.
0: I oh, was just going to say that.
1: that. You don't pay. Yeah, it's like we're you coming don't, back around.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, it's kind of like you don't appreciate what you have until you don't have it.
1: Yeah, and you just don't know. I don't think anybody knew. I mean, parents would kick their kids outside. That was just the joke, right? It was, I talk about the family across the street <laughs> that they, the mom you know, would lock the kids out in the summer. And I don't think she did it because she was like, I mean, oh, the kids, they're going to clear their lymphatic systems. You know, <laughs> this is going to be great for their eyes. You just do it because that's what you do. And if your kids are inside all day and there's only reruns on TV, they're just going to be at each other's throats and they're going to be messing everything up and they're going to be irritating the mom. And so that was the way that we ran things. My father-in-law grew up on a street that had 72 kids, I think he said, with, in the first six houses on either side. And so the neighborhood was bustling. What a fun place to be. You're not going to want to sit inside and watch a rerun of DuckTales if there's 72 kids playing outside. <laughs> right. and, and that was really a great thing for the parents because the parents didn't have to be the ones who were setting those boundaries. Society did. And that's the big shift that's happened.
0: I think also in 2020, when the world changed, there were three things that that happened. One parents started to learn what their kids were actually learning in school. Now, you and I homeschooled, so we already knew, you know, what our kids are learning because we're in charge of that. But parents in general that were they're in private, charter, or public school, all of a sudden, they started to realize what their children were learning, which is a good thing, um, which has led to some positive things and some exposure of what is really happening inside of the classroom. And I'm not bashing teachers or anything like that, but there was a realization of what's happening. The other thing happened is parents started to do more things with their kids. And that was, they were playing Mm. more board games, they were going for walks, they were going outside because they got tired of being cooped up inside and you couldn't, in many states and places around the globe, you couldn't go anywhere. You had to be very confined and restricted. So parents started to learn more about how their kids thought felt and experienced the world around them and the others. And this ties into what you just said, suburban life suddenly became very appealing because kids could Mm. just wander outside. And I've seen a huge shift in that. And, and, you know, people are like, Jenny, you're just like, you just catapulted to this phenomenal success all of a sudden. And yeah, it's always like, yeah, I'm a one day success. No, you've been at this for over 10 years. Little bit by little bit, teaching people, showing other moms, living it, experiencing. I mean, you can talk from shared experience. So, as the 1000 hours came out, tell us like what made you even say, I think we're just going to put a time. Was it Sonia Schaefer and her? Okay, we're going to be outside for so many hours or my kids, I know, cause I know you were talking about, you have three under three at that time and it just changed your life. But as your kids got older, um, how old's your oldest? 15. Okay. So as your kids got older and you're thinking, oh, we really do have to do like math or English or whatever. And I know you've heard this. Don't, do you ever do school? Are they going to learn <laughs> anything? Like I, I hate that, but I, I'm sure <laughs> you probably hear that. So let's talk about Let's dive a little deeper into the screen time because when you're spending time outside and your children are older, how are you managing the screen? How do you address parents in the cause you do it in a very positive way? I mean, instead of saying, Keep your kids off devices, they're gonna ruin your children. I've never heard you out there actually saying that because you're focused on what is good and right for the development of your children.
1: Does that make sense? Our best sense? days are the ones yeah, are the best days are the ones where we just run out of time for screens. I think oh I like that, that is that is the direction that we are headed. Uh Not that we don't use screens, but that we are trying to fill our life with what we want to fill it with first and leave the leftover time for screens. And that's the balance that we are pursuing. 1,000 hours outside came from a confluence of three things. One was a Charlotte Mason, four to six hours of time outside whenever the weather is tolerable. So that's not every day, but it's this concept of expansive periods of time outside often. And so it was a, A combination of that, we were getting outside for about 18 to 20 hours a week with that guideline. There's a book called Balanced and Barefoot by a pediatric occupational therapist named Angela Hanscom, which is a phenomenal book. I think every family should read it, where she talks about why kids are struggling. And a lot of it stems back to this lack, not all of it, but a lot of it stems back to this lack of play, this lack of downtime, lack of boredom, lack of time outside. And so she advocates for three hours of time outside a day on average throughout childhood. That's what she's advocating for. So that includes your babies and that includes your teenagers. It's for all kids. And we were spending about 1,200 hours a year outside. And that statistic from Scott Sampson, the four to seven minutes versus four to seven hours, it sparked an interest in me to figure out how much time we were spending outside. And it was about 1,200 hours in a year. And that at that time, back in 2013, mm-hmm. exactly matched the amount of time kids were on screens every year wow. with 1,200 hours. And what it made me think was, not that screens are bad, but how much life we would have lost had all of those experiences and times outside and relationships that we had built and memories that we had made and mud pies that we had made and all of these sensory experiences the kids had had, all the movement. What if all of those 1,200 hours had gone to screens? How less fulfilling would our life be? And so that's where the number came from. It was this thought of, I really want to live a full life with my kids and... This is a safeguard for that. If I can aim to have about a thousand hours of time outside, which matches the Charlotte Mason idea and hers, her ideas have really stood the test of time, it matches this pediatric occupational therapist, it matches what we got as kids, actually. The Angela Hanscom, who wrote the book Balance and Barefoot, says when she speaks at places, if you grew up in the 90s or before, how much time did you get outside? Every day on average, about. And most people say three to four hours. My experience was I walked to school, it was a mile, a full mile. So that took a half hour. You get there early, you play around on the playground for a couple minutes. The same thing on the way home. Mm-hmm. And then we had three recesses at elementary school, and they were 45 minutes. It was morning, lunch. They might have, sometimes they might have even been an hour. It was morning, lunch, and afternoon. We got three full recesses that were long, and we would play. Mm-hmm. I mean, you would fall into your play. Kids used to get this amount of time and then you come home from school and maybe there's something on TV, but a lot of times there's not. And so you would go play outside and you would toss a ball, you'd ride your bike, you would go see who could play. That is what kids got. And our kids don't get that today. And it matters. It matters. And I think it's a big deal to have gotten it yourself, but not at least attempt to provide that for your kids. When people talk about their cherished moments of childhood, it's those. It's those you mean it's not doing algebra
0: and solving for where's why? <laughs>
1: <laughs> sure. I mean, who remembers it? And who and who remembers the video game that they played? Exactly. I mean, very rarely are you going to remember. I watched this one episode of Saved by the Bell. I mean, it's <laughs> it's not that. I, it's the expansive time with the wind in your hair and you're biking around the block and you have freedom. And so it's an interesting thing to to take the perspective of what does our kid's childhood look like and feel like? And I talked to this young man named Sean Killingsworth, who's trying to get kids on college campuses. He's 20. He's in college. He's trying to get kids on college campuses to get together without their phones. Now he grew up after the nineties and Mm -hmm. he said his childhood was a social wasteland and he grieves. He, he lost it, Connie. He lost it. Mm -hmm. And There was no one to play with and there was no one that wasn't on a phone or a Game Boy and you can't be yourself because everything might be videotaped and shared to others. And the whole landscape of childhood has changed and that's not fair. It's like, we got it. We got it. We got that free, to a degree, that freedom in childhood. And these kids today are in a lot of ways not getting it because their lives are filled with adult-directed activities. And to your point about learning... Movement is learning, and I think that's a huge piece. Obviously, yes, you still do your seat work, but John Taylor Gatto, who I love his books, he talks about how it's well researched that it only takes fifty to one hundred contact hours for a kid to become functionally literate. Which that's not the end goal; is just to be functionally literate. But the point is, is if you're functionally literate, you can learn anything you ever want to learn. So you know enough math, reading, writing to learn anything, 50 to 100 hours at the right age and stage. That's it. And so we we give 15,000 hours of childhood to school busy a, lot a lot of the time, 15,000. And work. then they come home with homework. Yeah. I'm like, no, that's enough. That's enough time to give to those things. Movement is what actually changes the neural wiring in the brain. So there's a phenomenal statistic every family should know about. It's from a book called Smart Moves by Dr. Carla Hannaford. The subtitle is why learning is not all in your head. It's not just sitting at a desk and doing worksheets. And the statistic says elderly people who dance regularly have a 76% less chance of developing dementia.
0: I'm going to have to tell okay. my husband that. So he'll start dancing with Yeah, you. <laughs> go dance.
1: Go, go do ballroom dancing or Zumba. But what's happening, the, the point is, is that that is complex movement mm-hmm. and that enhances and protects the neural wiring in the brain. So you've got kids that have quicker and adaptable brains. That's what we need in today's society because we no longer have jobs that last for 30 years and you're going to do the same thing or maybe move up a little bit in your company and have the same coworkers. No, that that world is long gone. These kids are going to have a lot of different types of jobs, their hands on a lot of different types of things, and they're going to have to be quick and adaptable. And you don't become that way by doing worksheets. You become that way by playing and by going outside and doing complex things with your body and challenging yourself and learning how to learn and learning what you love to do and all of the things that happen in those blank spaces of life.
0: Oh, I love that for your problem solving. I mean, unfortunately you learn if you step on an ant mound, you're going to get bit. I mean, there's so many yeah. not, not that you want that to happen, but there's a lot of learning that happens just by the mishaps that happen. So, I mean, they do happen. You know, your kid goes outside and they'll swing and or they'll do something and they might, you know, get hurt, they might fall, bonk their head. So, things like that happen, but there's also that's learning as well and we discount that. I mean, people pay big money to do survival courses. And to do first aid courses <laughs> and you get it naturally. Um, oh yeah, be really careful when I'm walking on this log because if I fall, it might hurt. So Jenny, when you initially talk about a thousand hours outside for a parent who is probably allowing their children to have a thousand hours on screens, like I had lunch with a, a woman and she is very much trying to stay away from kids and and doing all these things and helping her kids find their the things that they enjoy doing. Her children are older, and she says, "But you know, I have a friend who." They just she just says, just go in your room. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. Just go talk to your friends online and I'm hoping for the best. Can you speak to that just for a little bit? Maybe give an inkling as to not why that's so detrimental, but another perspective of maybe send your child outside as opposed to in in their room with their devices.
1: Well, they only get one childhood. And it's an important thing to think about. They get to do it one time. And so any opportunity that you can give them for hands-on real life experience enhances that. And the more that we allow our children to have the option of passive entertainment, the harder it becomes for them to play. And that's an important piece too. You're giving them a gift. I think that's the perspective is you're giving them a huge gift when you allow them to have boredom. In fact, Kim Jong is one of my favorite authors. He's got a book called Simplicity Parenting and Another one's called Beyond Winning that he wrote with a man named Luis Fernando Yosa. And this book is about toxic youth sports culture. It's actually not a book I would have picked up, except I just love Kim John Payne and and his books. And the book is actually phenomenal, one of the best I've ever read. Anybody could read it, whether you're dealing with toxic youth sports culture or not. And one of the sentences in that book says, when your kids are bored, you have not failed. And I think it's one of the biggest statements that parents today need to hear because it does feel a lot like failure. Successful parenting in today's culture looks like busy, 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 fill in all the time, get in all of the amounts of extracurriculars that you can in order to get your kids ready for college. And parents are overwhelmed, they are burnt out. And so there's a lot of pressure. And when you allow your kids to be bored, they just get better at it. They get better and better at it. So for me, this is a journey I'm still reading about it, Connie, because it is really hard to hold that line. I'm still reading books. Like I just read a book called Reset Your Child's Brain. And mm. it's by Dr. Victoria Dunkley. And she talks about how when kids do interactive screen use, and often that's actually what we promote is interactive screen use, like Minecraft, as mm-hmm. opposed to vegging out and watching a movie, because that seems lazy. But she says interactive screen use It dysregulates the child's entire nervous system. (laughs) It's phenomenal and fascinating to read. And I think we have to know that, you know, in Glow Kids, Nicholas Cardera says, these video game makers, they make it so that your blood pressure spikes and that you have this galvanized skin response and you start to sweat. And And it does something to your physiology. And if the game doesn't do that within 60 seconds, they go back to the drawing board. We have to know what's going on and how that affects our kids. So for the parent who is in a spot where they're really overwhelmed and they look at getting outside or pulling the plug a little bit on screens as something that's really overwhelming, I think it's a good reminder to know that it's worth it. Give it a shot. My life changed because I gave it a shot. And the key is often to have other kids to play with. And that's the big difference, I think, between now Neighborhoods of today and neighborhoods of old is that there are no other kids out there enticing you to play, and also there's screen use that's available 24 seven. So it's a tricky position for a parent to be in. We have had to put in the effort and make plans with other people. Like we have plans Friday morning to go hiking with some friends. That's tomorrow, I guess, right? This is Thursday, yeah. <laughs> so tomorrow morning we're going hiking with some friends. You have to make the plans. You have to find another family that's willing to go with you. But what happens is then the kids have. People to interact with, and it changes the entire experience. And also, Connie, I think this is the biggest piece. My life has been enhanced too. Mm. When I'm tired, vegging around on a couch doesn't really bring me to life. When I'm tired, if I have a good conversation, if I get a little whiff of fresh air, if I go on a 15 minute walk, that really is what rejuvenates me. Mm. And so we're in this spot where I used to be bummed because I thought, how cool would it would be if I could just kick my kids out into the neighborhood and there were 70 kids for them to play with and I could do what, like wash the floors? I mean, what, what kind of life is that, right? But, but because we're so inundated with screens too, this gives us an opportunity to have fuller lives as well. So join in. Join in with your kids. If you're really tired, you're really worn out, go on a walk with your kids. Just a simple walk. They say 12 minutes will change all of these internal there's a book by Annabelle Abs it's called 52 Ways to Walk. And she says at 12 minutes, like your entire body changes, 12 minutes. So, you know, could you, could you get in a 12 minute walk before you go, you know, try and relax and it's going to change your whole body.
0: I love, there's been a thread throughout our conversation. Um, what you just said, 12 minutes, 12 minutes, you know, they, the phrase, how do you eat an elephant? I was doing an interview the other day on a specific subject and I said, parents are often, they don't know where to start. They're overwhelmed and they, they just get, you know, you think a thousand mm. hours outside. I can't even get my kid to walk to get the trash from the street and come back. <laughs> how are we going to walk for 12 minutes? And this is something that I shared. I said, when I sit down, I, lo- I love potato chips. I'm not a sugar person. I'm a salt person. So I was looking at a bag of potato chips one day, is many, many years ago when my kids were younger. And I'm like, how do we eat a bag of chips? How do you eat a bag? You One chip at a time. So how Mm -hmm. do you start your journey into getting your kids to go outside and play and build the childhood? And I would just say, Jenny, build the family that will do life together, which was our primary goal when Tom and I were raising children. We wanted to turn the tassel, Jenny, and have our kids not say, see ya, thanks for paying for the insurance and putting on braces. I don't accept your values. I don't want anything to do with you. Goodbye. We wanted our kids to turn around and want to do life with us, which there's 12 of us now. And it's hard to get work done because somebody's always popping over or needing help with something or just want to go shopping. So one chip at a time. One little 12-minute walk, one little act of what you said, Jenny. Listeners, I want you to go back and re-listen to this because Jenny has shared some real truth that will not only transform your life, as Jenny was saying, it transformed her life. It made her from a mom that was overwhelmed and not enjoying the motherhood process at all, not enjoying her kids because of the way parenting and motherhood can be to actually getting excited from taking, hey, kids, I need 10 minutes to lay on the couch to I just want to go for a 10-minute walk. And I would imagine a lot of your kids would be, can I go? And you want to say, no, just stay home. This is my time. But you heard Jenny talk about how her life as a mom of many, as a mom of five kids, 15 and under, transformed her life. It transformed their family, her husband and hers relationship. I've seen them in action they laugh together. They laugh with each other. Their kids hang around them and aren't looking down at their screens all the time. And the other thing I heard, Jenny, throughout our conversation is the need for community. And I will say, you know, those of you that are of faith, um, you know I am, you know that uh, the Lord is the most important thing to me. You know that God wants us to, he gave us these children as a gift, as a blessing. He gave them so that we do life together and not life apart. Not that we just equip them for the college experience or to be academically superior. And it's not that they can't be. And it's not that you, you know, spend all day outside and you never get any, quote, school work done. Jenny hasn't said that. What she said is, find a few friends. She didn't say, go find a school. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with school. She said, find a few friends. Start small. Start by 12 minutes. And Jenny, I want to give you an opportunity to to tell people where to find you. And friends, I'll have reference to all the books Jenny mentioned, to the show itself over at ConnieAlbers.com. I will say the Lord has really allowed this simple experience of having children and being frustrated that it didn't go the way she thought it was going to go and wanting something better, wanting something different. Wanting a family that's joyful, that God has really blessed her work and the ministry. And there's a vibrant community over 1000Hours.com. A a but Jenny, tell us where we can find you and kind of close us out for this segment. A thought maybe we didn't get to share, you didn't get to share or express.
1: I'm pretty easy to find. Everything is 1000 outside, So 1000HoursOutside.com, what you'll find there are these tracker sheets that are free to download. They've been designed by 1,000 hours outside community members around the entire world. And we are actually keeping track of our time outside. It's a foundation for our learning, Mm. no matter what type of schooling that you do. And I always say, even if you fail, you win. People come up with their own goals. Maybe they're aiming for 500 hours or 250 hours. I had a mom right in. She's a single mom. She has split custody. This is all I can do, she said. But however much time you do, you are providing experiences for your kids and you're building these pillars of foundation of memories. And you're giving your kids a tool for how to strive for balance in their life. So over at 1000hoursoutside.com, we've got a kickoff pack. It's a fun place. There's a lot of stuff there that you can find. 1000 Hours Outside on social media, on podcast, on... We have an app that people... They love. (laughs) People ask for it for a long time. It's just a time tracker app. And then... You get different badges as you hit different milestones. It's a really fun way to celebrate. It's a really fun way to celebrate you as a parent because parenting is really hard and it gives you something concrete to say, hey, we hit 100 hours outside. We're going to celebrate that. We're going to have a little party or people do special things at these different milestones. I think the interesting thing about parenting, Connie, and I loved hearing you talk about this stage where kids are grown and you've got spouses and your family is growing, that Parenting is always shifting. And that's one of the trickiest pieces about parenting is that you never really get quite a good grasp on it before it changes to something else. Or or you learn one thing, you learn pod training and you're you're like <laughs> so good at it. Or like I'm so good at pulling out loose teeth, you know, I'm like I'm a pro. And then you're you're out of that and you're done. But nature and spending time together in nature, it works for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And what I have loved is it it was an answer for when my kids were really small. It's an answer now because we're busier. And with older kids, they have their own interests and their own friends. And this is a way to still bring us together. It's a way to still make sure that our lives are not filled with screen time. And it still works. And it still will work. I talk to a lot of parents who have older kids and they connect through experiences outside. You've got kids in your 20s. You've got grandkids. I ask people often a favorite memory from their childhood that was outside. Connie, I cannot tell you how many people talk about their grandparents. And so, because they have time, parent- they have time. Yeah. And, but this is a parenting strategy that will work through grandparenting. Yeah. And it's one of those things that works. It works even if you don't have kids, if someone's listening, there's a lot of people that do 1000 hours outside. They don't have kids at all. They do it with their dog. There's you know they're younger and they, they're not, maybe they're not married. They don't have kids yet. And they're in that stage of life and it just works. And there's not much else in life. I think that works that spans that gamut of time. And our kids have had so many adventures together at this point. It, it's actually really fun. We've laid this foundation of kids who know how to trust their bodies and who have learned what their bodies can and can't do. And now we go and like, you know, we jump jump off rocks into Lake Superior and we go whitewater rafting and we do all these things that when they were little, all I was doing was carrying them all three while pushing a stroller. I mean, <laughs> that's what it looked like. But it has paid, it has paved the way. The whole thing has been beautiful. And so I always tell people, If I were to go back and to do it again, I wouldn't change a thing. Mm. I would just want to do it again. Yeah. Because it was such a beautifully full early childhood and it has paved the way for where we're at today, which is a family of kids that embrace adventure. They still are on their screens. They still like to play video games, but it's given us a way to pursue balance and to continue to forge relationships in a world that's really pulling people apart.
0: Well, that is well said. And listeners, I will just definitely affirm absolutely everything Jenny has said. You will love the book. Until the streetlights come on with Jenny Urich, you will absolutely love it. I encourage you to connect over at 1000hours.com and on Facebook and wherever Jenny is and the community is, because the book is written by Jenny. The movement was started by Jenny and her husband. But it has grown beyond that. So you may not be able to do life with Jenny up in Michigan. You may be down in Florida, but guess what? There's communities across the world that are embracing this idea. So she's giving you permission, go outside. And I will tell you, we raised our children that way. Our vacations were hiking and beach trips and everything mm-hmm. outside. And my kids, when we sit around the table come the holiday seasons or we get together literally every week. Jenny, yes, we are a family yesterday was all day with two of the kids. Today is going to be in the day before. I mean, it's just like uh, when I was working on my book, my agent asked me a question and she goes, how often do you see your kids? I'm like, uh, every day. She goes, well, like all of them. I said, well, there's not a day goes by that I don't see or talk to or have some funny text thread going with all 10 of our family members. And that's what we want. That's what we want. And I know that's what you're building. And I'm just telling you listeners, it is possible. To break free from the devices, it is possible to not have all this teenage rebellion and, and sibling mm. fighting. Yes, you're gonna, your kids are going to fight. It's just they're humans and they're not always going to agree and they're not always going to want to go on this particular hike, but they do turn around later and they talk about it and it is those bonds that hold you together and makes them call you and say, what time is dinner? Where are we all mm-hmm. meeting? That's what we're aiming for. We don't want broken, fractured families, and I don't believe you have to, and I really believe a thousand percent in until the streetlights come home and the 1,000 hours outside. It will bless your family. Jenny, thank you so much for taking the time to join us, to share uh, what the Lord is doing with 1,000 hours with your family. Thanks for pulling the curtain back and saying, yeah, it was tough. I really wasn't enjoying the motherhood thing that I thought I would enjoy. Thank you for your transparency, and thank you for showing up for millions of families all the time, every day.
1: Oh, Connie, I adore you. I so appreciate the opportunity to be here. I think this is one of those things that equips kids to be, right? It equips them to be whatever it is that they want to be, whatever God has for them. This lays the foundation for them, for their relationships, for their social skills, for their emotional health, for their physical bodies, and of course, for their mental quickness and capabilities for a lifetime. So I am so honored and I can't wait to see you at conferences this year. I know we'll be on the
0: road soon, my friend. Enjoy the day. Yes. And thanks for coming on equipped to be friends. Thank you for tuning in and make sure you go over to Connie All the show notes, I'll have everything there. You can all the books that Jenny has, has referenced. You want to make sure you download them on audible. If you don't have time to read or buy a copy, but they'll all be there and invest in that time with your kids. Thank you so much friends. And we'll see you next time.